Let's pray together. Gracious God, we give you thanks for this time to gather around your word. Thank you for preparing us. Thank you for softening our heart and opening our ears. And we indeed give ourselves to you so that we might grow with you. Understanding and learning and living into you being the Lord of all. Speak to us, guide us, continue to change us, continue to to feed the faith that you've placed within us, that we might walk with you. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. As we look at all nine words, as we look particularly at this word, Lord, um, our opening passage is Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Um, Put that on the screen and and invite you to say this um, with me. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Why, why do you think? Why, why do you think that uh, folks in Jesus' day and in our day you know, would, will call Jesus Lord, Lord? And we know what Lord means. It's, it's boss. It's the one who has authority. It's the one we're to obey. Why do we call him Lord, Lord, and but yet don't do what he tells us to do? Here's... Here's what I think, as looking at these, not just at Lord, but at all nine words that we've been looking at, trying to to sit with that and and think about, okay, if Jesus really were to make a a tweet from his words in the the New Testament, and as we've been in this exercise of of gathering his favorite words, the words that he said the most, I think that this answers that question. Why do we call him Lord, Lord, but not do what he tells us to do? And it's because we try to live for God instead of with God. We want to live for God instead of with God. And as we walk through these nine words, we'll consider what... What exactly is the difference of living for God versus living with God? As I played with it a little more and thought I wanted to be a little, maybe a little more provocative, I think, here's another tweet to get us thinking, that God would rather us fail with Him than succeed without Him. God would rather us fail with Him than to succeed without Him. As Chris did at the beginning, we'll look again. You know, these the nine words of, of, of Jesus that we've looked at over uh, this, um, these, this summer. You've also got them in your um, bulletin. Uh, just as another way for, for you to be considering, to do what Chris was saying earlier. And just consider, you know, how do you take these nine words of Jesus? And, and maybe particular ahas as we've been walking through this summer. Father, human, God, give, 
heaven. Listen. Kingdom. Truly. And then Lord. What do we capture from this is the essence of Jesus' message to us. I want to give you one other passage to look at it before we take a look at all nine of these words together. But one is John 15, 15, as it relates to Lord. Let's uh, say this one together as well. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I've called you friends because I've made known to you everything that I've heard from my Father. John 15, 15. Master is the same word for, um, for Lord. It's exactly the same word. So, so you, you get this passage here where, where uh, Jesus is giving a little twist to this word Lord. Pushing us into saying, you know, I now call you my friends. You see why what I'm I'm thinking Jesus is is saying to us in the essence of his message is walk with me in life. Don't walk, don't live for me, but live with me. It's it's just a new twist, a new way. And Jesus does that. He turns things upside down. This this Lord relationship with servants. He says, now, no longer. You're, You're my friend. I'm still your Lord. But you're my friend. Walk with me in life. Now, consider here, you know, the first five words. It is, this was maybe the, the biggest aha uh, to me throughout this, this journey this summer. It is that the, the first five words were really all about God. That Jesus came, the reason Jesus came was to tell us you know, that we were created to be in relationship with God. That, that He came to tell us about God. I mean, that God wants us to know Him. Not just to know about Him, but to know Him. To experience Him. Even human is really talking more about Jesus, talking more about God, than, than talking about us. Of those first five. It's the, the word that Jesus used the most often to refer to Himself as the Son of Man, the Son of Humans. But Jesus came to reveal to us the essence and nature of God. Colossians 1 tells us that He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Let's look at John 8. 19. I know I'm really giving Barry a workout um, this, uh, this morning. But John 8.19 also speaks to this. Then they said to him, where is your father? And Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. 
See, as we know Jesus, we know God. Because Jesus is God in the flesh. That's why he came, why five of his top five words were all about God, were about him to to communicate that to us, the very essence of God as father, as a a loving, relational creator. Not one separated from us to stay separated, but one who condescends to be among us, like us, to communicate to us. Jesus takes on human form, God in human form, in order to model for us how we engage in relationship with the living God. And invites us along with Him, as as Chappie reminded us. So, So often He says, Our Father, just like He did in the Lord's Prayer, invites us along with Him that engaging with our Father together. Our Heavenly Father. So different than our earthly fathers, but our Heavenly Father, one with perfect love. Jesus communicates to us, shows us the way to relate to our Heavenly Father. And and Beth shared with us a little bit after that about give, about how that is God's primary action. With Jesus, most of the time when he's taught, he used the word give, God was the subject of the sentence. That God gives. He gives life. He gives mercy. God gives forgiveness. God gives what we need. God gives community. And first and foremost, God gives himself to us. God gives Jesus. God gives God the Holy Spirit. God gives Himself. God desires through Jesus to bring it back to the garden, in a sense. That God gives forgiveness through Jesus, in a sense... To totally wipe out what happened with Adam and Eve. To make us right with God. So that we, as was planned in the garden, would walk with God in all of life. Enjoying God and enjoying God's creation. You know, we can get so caught up in so many different things in the church that we forget that main point. That the reason we gather is to help one another to walk with God in all of life. There's a whole lot of really important things, but they pale in comparison to that point. That's why this was the big aha for me. Oh yeah, Jesus came to us so that we'd walk with God. Is that where we're putting all of our energy and efforts who are helping each other to walk with God, to live with God, not to live for Him. Now, I thought about that. You know, we could be a, if, we're, if we consider an analogy with a restaurant, you know, you can have a restaurant with a beautiful building, wonderful accoutrements, a staff that is friendly and kind and welcoming. They could even have great prices. But if they got bad food, then they're a bad restaurant. 
Are we focused, renewed for me? The focus of saying, no, what we got to be about is how to help and encourage and support one another to walk in life with God. Because that's what Jesus came to communicate. What Jesus came to accomplish. Over half, five of the nine, focused there. And then it's not until number six that it talks about what we do. It's not until number six that he, that he gives the imperative for us. So This is what I want you to do. I want you to listen. I want you to, to hear what I'm saying. I mean, in a sense, really, to summarize the last four, it's, he's saying, it's, this is... Uh, is it our opportunity, our action is active listening that leads to obedience. But listen. Listen to, to what I, I'm saying. And you know, this might be particularly for males because of our tendency to take the instruction book and throw it aside and, and to refuse to stop and ask for directions. And, and isn't it... Curious, at least, that the number one thing Jesus tells us to do, or the first thing, the thing he says the most, is listen. Don't just wing it. Listen. Now, it leads to action, and we listen even as we act. But listen. I'm not going to tell a story on myself on this one. I'm going to throw my brother under the bus instead. But when I was in college, um, my, my brother had a, an orange Camino. Remember El Caminos? And, and he was going to... It was a beautiful, beautiful car. And he was really into cars. And he was going to rebuild the engine. And, so he, and he did. Man, he took the thing apart, cleaned it up, put it back together. The only problem is there was a box about this big filled with extra parts. <laughs> and, and so when I arrived home... Uh, for, uh, for the summer break, uh, I was greeted in the driveway with a tow truck um, with uh, an orange El Camino in the back that had a nice big box of extra car parts in its back seat as it was uh, headed out. The essence of life is rather complex. And there are all kinds of voices going around us. It is imperative then that we stop and listen. So that we're living with God. And not just that we, we listen and then go act, but that we listen all the time. I was, as I thought about this, you know, that we, we listen in all of life. I, I, I kept coming back to the seven dwarfs. You know? You know, whistle while you work. But it's listen while you work. Listen while you live. Listen while you play. Listen in every step of the way. Because God is walking with us and what God desires is to walk with us in the fullness of life. The last three words in then highlight that our listening leads us to follow. That God wants to lead, 
And He desires us to follow into the fullness of His kingdom, of His way of life. That again, it is a living relationship with the living God, not a formula, not a set of laws that are static, but a living, growing relationship with the living God. A guiding relationship in all areas of life. In our relationships at home, in our, in our work, in our relationship with our money, with our stuff, with our time. God desires to live with us, to lead us as we live with Him. I mean, Jesus even tells us on a number of occasions, you, know, you, you got to love God more than you love mom, more than you love dad, more than you love son and daughter. you got to love God more than you love money. He's the one that we listen to above all else. He's the one that we follow. He's the one that we live with in the fullness of life. Another passage that that highlights this, that highlights this this part, that it's not about following a set of laws or having the right words, but about a living relationship with the living God is Matthew 7, starting with verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many deeds of power in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Go away from me, you evildoers. A rather strong way to make that statement. But that's the essence of Jesus' life with us is so that we will know Him. That we will walk with Him. Not that we'll have some supernatural power to do fancy things or not that we'll have the right words to say at the right time, but that we will be in a living relationship with the living God. Jesus doesn't bring a new law for us to follow. As a matter of fact... Paul says in Romans 7, he releases us from the law. You're set free from the law so that you might live according to the new way of the Spirit, not the old way of the written code. Romans 7, verse 6. It's a new way of living in the Spirit in a living relationship with the living God. Uh, we had uh, Carol Ross's funeral yesterday. And, and it came to me after the, the funeral. But I don't know that many of you know Carol. Many of you, you might. But as I thought about Carol, I, the picture that kept coming to my mind with Carol is that she's a stud. And what I mean by that is that she's not the squeaky wheel, you know, that always gets the grease, nor is she the rock star that's always filled with panache. But she's the stud like the studs in these walls. She's like a stud in a load-bearing wall. 
You don't know they're there. You don't hear them very much at all. But you know what? If you don't have studs in these walls right here, we're in a lot of trouble. The whole thing's going to cave in. But we don't see them. We don't hear them. But we certainly benefit from them. And, and, and Carol was the stud of, of a ministry that even is sort of under the surface. The prayer and care ministry. It simply seeks to, to call every official member of the church. And to, to pray for them. To walk with them, whatever their particular need might be. And I thought of, of Carol because she is one that simply, in her simplicity, in her silence, she walked with God. So that she didn't need to get a lot of grease like a squeaky wheel and she didn't need to be in front with a lot of bright lights like the rock stars, but she simply could be the stud holding up the wall because she walked with God. That's what Jesus came, was for us to walk with God in life. To, to, to walk with Him, to recognize Him, to know Him, to live with Him in every area of life. So I submit to you that God would rather us fail with Him than succeed without Him. God is totally focused on us living with Him, not on us living for Him. Amen.